Broadcasting from the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains here in the star city of Roanoke, Virginia. Welcome, my friends, to the Jamie Lee Show. Memorial Day is a time for the country to reflect and remember on the men and women who have sacrificed for our country, on the principles upon which the nation was founded, and on the role we all have to play in protecting the freedoms of future generations. Looking back on the messages and meanings is an important way for American culture to reconnect with the true mission of the holiday. Honecker, attain, hit, port, arms, half right, Peace. unlock, rifle, prepare to fire, ready, aim, fire, ready, Aim, fire! Ready, aim, fire! Lock, rifle, half left, peace! Present, arms, bugler, sound taps! The following is a true story of personal courage, leadership, and heroism under fire. The sacrifices made by this greatest generation. Americans should be grateful that we had men such as these who stepped forward in this hour of greatest need in the 20th century. What is a hero? Why do some men rise above the chaos and fear of a battlefield to perform not one, but multiple acts of battlefield heroics. Alex Kershaw wrote a book entitled Against All Odds, a captivating read about four of the most highly decorated soldiers in American history. One of them, Audie Murphy, achieved some fame for his exploits, but the other three, Maurice Britt, Michael Daly, and Keith Ware, lived their remaining days in relative obscurity, trying to get on with their lives like millions of other World War II veterans, while each man dealt with the stress of dealing with life and death situations for days and weeks on end. What's more remarkable is that all of these men served at one time during the war in the U.S. Army's 3rd Infantry Division, one of the most storied units in American military history. These men all came from very different backgrounds, 
and there doesn't seem to be any common thread to explain their heroism other than a desire to rally their fellow soldiers in the face of incredible odds and survive the close combat they were facing. They were just soldiers doing their duty and fighting for their buddies in extended combat situations. It is remarkable that any of them survived. During World War II, as the Allies raced to defeat Hitler, reporters learned of four American soldiers, all in the same regiment, who had earned medal after medal for battlefield heroism. They were the ultimate band of brothers. Together, these men helped defeat Nazi Germany's finest troops, marching more than 2,000 miles from the deserts of North Africa to Hitler's eagle nests in Berchtesgaden, surviving more than 600 days of increasingly merciless combat. They fought in every major campaign during the liberation of Europe, earning all of the nation's awards for valor, including the Medal of Honor. Once the guns fell silent, the four would discover just how heavy the Medal of Honor could weigh and how great the expectations associated with it could be. Having survived the most intense combat of World War II against all odds, this extraordinary brotherhood would fight just as hard to find peace. Private Audie Murphy, a short, baby-faced youth from Texas, would join the 3rd Division and become America's most famous Medal of Honor recipient. When a soldier questioned why Murphy calmly leveled his carbine and gunned down two German officers trying to escape on horseback, Murphy responded, That's our job, isn't it? They would have killed us if they had the chance. That's their job. Or have I been wrongly informed? Lieutenant Maurice Footsie Brits, he is nicknamed Footsie because of his large feet. Brits, a three-part athlete from Arkansas who, before the war, played for the Detroit Lions. A sober leader, he is careful of the lives of the men he leads. There had been many occasions when Brits had asked God to spare him. When he had prayed, he would survive. As he waited for one German counterattack, he beseeched the Almighty on behalf of his men. Lord, lead me. Don't let me do anything that will cause any of these boys to be killed unnecessarily. Bert was pious, but not soft. At Italy's Mount Rotondo, he fought off a company of elite German paratroopers. Bert went on a rampage, intent on winning this Deadly game, it seemed, all on his own. He tossed one grenade after another. When he ran out of ammunition, he picked up any weapon he could find, German or American, so long as it had bullets. Britt killed several Germans in a machine gun nest and moved on to another. He would receive the Medal of Honor, earn his captain's bars, and go on to fight in the slaughterhouse of Anzio. Private Michael Daly of Connecticut, an Irish Catholic, transferred to the 3rd Division after fighting his way ashore at Omaha Beach. 
of Daly's harrowing baptism by fire on D-Day, we learn his pack was soaked, weighing him down, slowing him. Then the horrors began. A man nearby was killed, his head blown clean off. Daly spotted a mine, an obstacle, a corpse floating by. And there was a vicious snapping, a pop, 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 as machine gun bullets whipped above his head. As Daly recalled, it was not a question of overcoming my fear, but of trying to control it. Lieutenant Colonel Keith Ware hailed from working-class Colorado. On the slopes of the Vauxhus Mountains in France, while the Battle of the Bulge raged to the north, Ware found his moment when he led two dozen cooks, clerks, and drivers to rescue a company pinned down near the fortified village of Sleikersheim. Leading an attack from a tangled French vineyard, Ware grabbed a Browning automatic rifle, the most powerful gun he could fire while moving, and dashed up a hill crowded with Hitler's finest. Ware was a man possessed. He kept moving, closing on another machine gun position. Germans had their hands in the air. No need to kill them. There was no more ammunition left in the BAR, and so Ware grabbed an M1 rifle from a wounded man and kept firing. After he silenced four machine gun nests and personally killed five enemy soldiers and captured about 20 others, his rescued company took the town. The stories of Murphy, Britt, Daly, and Ware are largely unconnected, except for their association with the 15th Infantry Regiment. They don't run into each other much, and they aren't foxhole buddies. Their common threads are the valor, skill, and luck that kept most of them alive and earned them their country's highest honor. Hunger, heat, and terror had pushed many to the edge and beyond of the men fighting in Sicily. One man had dug up a can of hash he nonchalantly thrown away days before, scraped away the flies and ants, and wolfed it down. In Italy, exhaustion took its toll. Mount Nicola had fallen, but in to the north lay yet another mountain range, wreathed in ghost-like clouds and soaking mists. The slog continued, the ordeal seemingly without end designed to break the spirit. One of Alex Kershaw's strengths as a historian is his story-to-a-first-person accounts. Drawing upon letters, memoirs, diary entries, and oral histories, his book retains an authentic feel while showcasing the gritty action you would expect in films, such as Saving Private Ryan and to Hell and Back, starring Audie Murphy as himself. Maurice Britt was eventually medically retired after losing an arm at Anzio after his Medal of Honor action in Sicily, and all of these men earned multiple Purple Hearts for wounds in combats. It is remarkable to note that most of these men did not seem interested in earning medals, except for Michael Daly, a West Point dropout who risked his neck over and over to keep his men alive, who experienced a desire to surpass the valor of his father, a highly decorated World War I veteran. 
When the war ended and the tally was complete, Body Murphy exceeded Maurice Britt in numbers of multiple awards, with both men earning every combat decoration of the U.S. Army. Daly and Ware also were highly decorated, but neither soldier earned the Distinguished Service Cross during the war. What happened to these men after the war? Audie Murphy turned his heroism into a successful career as a movie star in Hollywood. His undiagnosed post-traumatic stress led to broken marriages, heavy drinking, a clash with police, and eventual death in a plane crash. On May 28, 1971, a blue-and-white twin-engine plane painted in the colors of the 3rd Division took off from Atlanta and flew toward Martinsville in Virginia. Murphy was on the plane. He'd flown to Virginia, hopeful of beginning a new business venture. There was a problem. The pilot called ground control in Roanoke and reported that he was going to land in 20 minutes because of rough weather. He never did, crashing instead into a mountain near Roanoke. There were no survivors. Keith Ware was the only one of the men who remained in the Army, rising from World War II draftee to Major General and command of a division in Vietnam before dying in action in a helicopter crash in 1968. Early on Friday, September 13, 1968, during the Battle of Lach Ninh, Ware began boarding a Huey intent on visiting the front lines. He took along his pet dog, King, a white German shepherd, a gift from men who fought with his division's long-range reconnaissance patrol. Later that morning, he landed near Lach Ninh inside Cambodia and then conferred with his field commanders, issuing crisp, precise orders. There was heavy action in the area. At 12.52 p.m., shortly after takeoff in bad weather with cloud cover at 700 feet, his helicopter was hit by intense enemy machine gun fire. The commanding general of the Big Red One did not survive the crash. 52-year-old Keith Ware, three senior officers, four crew, and the white German shepherd named King were all dead. Michael Daly and Maurice Britt achieved their own success after the war. Britt going into politics in his home state of Arkansas and daily becoming involved in charity work at a local hospital be before both men passed away. Maurice Britt squeezed as much as he could from life, getting along as best as he could with one lung and one arm. The scars of war still covered his aging frame, but not his psyche. The piece of German metal in his foot was finally removed in October 1995. There were complications during the surgery, and he needed further operations to combat infection to his old wound. But it all proved too much for his heart, no longer so stout, and he passed away in Little Rock, Arkansas on November 26, 1995, at the age of 76. Each Memorial Day, for as long as his legs could carry him, Michael Daly paid respects to his fallen comrades. In 2008, Michael Daly learned that he had pancreatic cancer. His last fight did not last long. 
He faced the end with the same courage he had summoned in combat, pointing out that he should by rights have died in Nuremberg with his fellow soldiers. This Memorial Day 2023, we salute and honor these men for their personal courage, combat leadership, and heroism under fire. While everybody else is having picnics, I, for one, and I hope you too, take the time to mourn our military veterans that gave their life so we may have freedom for our great country. I'm just a dog-faced soldier with a rifle on my shoulder, and I eat raw meat for breakfast every day. Send me ammunition. Keep me in 3rd Division. Your dog-faced soldiers A-OK. This is Jamie. Thanks for listening.